Hey, it's Ari Shafir. You're listening to the Yuck Yucks Comedy Podcast. Visit us anytime at youtube.com forward slash yuck yucks to watch stand-up comedy clips of some of your favorite comedians. Be sure to visit us at www.yuckyucks.com. Twitter. Twitter. And follow us on Twitter using hashtag YYCP. What's going on, Yuckamaniacs? This is your host, Jake Hirsch, speaking, and you are listening to the Yucky Yucks Comedy Podcast. Welcome aboard. Welcome aboard, sir. That's right. Sir and madam, ladies, I get a couple of emails uh, every couple of weeks about uh, female fans of the show, people writing in saying uh, such wonderful things about this show, and, and uh, I'm glad that they do because uh, we, get to, we get to interview uh, some of the funnest people in the comedy game in Canada. And, of course, we like to uh, diversify sometimes uh, on the guest list. We talk to everybody from uh, agents to uh, to comedians to uh, uh, actors and thespians and people on television and, and yeah, the whole nine yards. So it's, uh, it's a great mix. It's a hodgepodge, if you will. It's a Hickory Farms of uh, podcast shows. So we don't just stick to one format. Uh, although the focus has been comedy, of course. This is the XX Comedy Podcast. Uh, but uh, oftentimes I run into people that I'm just fascinated with uh, and uh, and they're not always in comedy. Or maybe they have some loose affiliation to the world of comedy. But uh, we've got some great interviews lined up, folks. Uh, a couple of interviews I have not been able to get done in the last little while. Uh, I was experiencing some technical difficulties with this soundboard that I've got. And I'm sure that you guys guys have probably heard um, some of the episodes, uh, the volume or, or the uh, the quality of the audio has not been great. I'm going to fix that. I'm going to make sure that we have the best equipment, top of the line, uh, the whole nine yards. Uh, I'm going to reinvest some dough into the uh, into the show. And uh, of course, with the helps of Yuck Yucks, and uh, we're going to you know get everything squared away and settled so that every week you get a clear, crisp Sounding audio podcast. That's right, folks. Uh, but yeah, we've had some audio problems over the last little while. Um, uh, I know, like on even on the Brett Forte episode that uh, we just did, um, there was even some some stuff going on with that. Uh, but anyway, um, so far so good this evening. No, uh, nothing uh, to bite me in the proverbial ass. But uh, yes, uh, there has been some technical difficulties. I was not able to record some conversations that I was hoping to. Um, on the phone. Now, in studio, it's not a problem. And of course, I've got the now handy Zoom recorder that I, uh, that Yuck so graciously uh, bought for the show. And uh, thank you very much, by the way. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, so whenever I'm on the road, if I go out and I do a little interview one on one, then we've got the equipment right there. So, uh, but yes, for the studio, I've got a couple of old mixing boards. And for some reason, I am missing a cord. Uh, I got to go and get a cord for this thing. It's, uh, I was going to interview, uh, uh, Miss Tracy McDonald. I was going to interview, um, another gentleman from Australia, another comedian that was, uh, just absolutely wonderful. Um, and yeah, so I just, it's been a crappy week for interviews. Anyway, I will, um, be able to, uh, provide those interviews hopefully in the next couple of days when I, when I'm able to uh, start taking phone calls in studio again. So bear with me, folks. But in the meantime, we still got some amazing interviews uh, and more even coming up. Um, we still continue the amazing stretch of uh, amateur comedians in the local circuit around here, which I found to be great because there are very talented uh, locals here. And I know that since, uh, you know, and I bled the Yuck Yucks uh, uh, comedy competition, the one we did here in Calgary, I know I've 
I've probably rang that towel out uh, one too many times, but uh, but uh, it was just a very proud moment, very defining moment, and uh, I got to meet some really cool, cool people. And some of those comics now are going out and opening up their own rooms. Uh, just went to a, a comedy uh, here on Monday. I uh, went over to uh, Mr. Paul Can's room, and uh, Paul ended up uh, opening up a little room for himself, and uh, it, it went really good. I, I think that uh, I think it was a good night, a good kickoff start, and uh, it, it was it was fun getting out and watching some of the, uh, the the amateurs that I had on the competition, and just to see the small amount of time that it's been since the competition to see them perform now and get up on stage with such confidence and material. Uh, is well written and very well rehearsed, obviously. And uh, one person who just blew me out of the water last night was uh, Mr. Don Philipchuk. And I know I've spoken of Don before on the show. Uh, and and Don is just a, is just a hardworking guy. He uh, he sticks with it. He's at all the comedy shows. Every time I uh, look on my Facebook. Uh, there's a post from Don, uh, you know, pictures and the whole nine yards. So it's kind of cool. I get to see uh, where everyone's hanging out and what they're doing. Uh, you know, kind of keeping my finger on the pulse of the the local circuit. And uh, Don Philipchuk, hey, kudos to you, man. I just want to give you a shout out, brother, because uh, just watching you uh, over the last year um, just grow and and you're you're just getting you're getting really really good, pal. So I'm very very proud of you. Great job and great job to all the comedians that were out. Um, you know what? Getting stage time in the city is not easy. You know, there's a lot of places around town that that have open mics or or you know rooms every week, and and there's some stiff competition in this town. And of course, people want to go and they want to see a good show. And so I know some of these people are probably under pressure to make sure that there's a good set lined up. And there's so many comedians too. So you know, you go to a club, and if there's eight or nine people. Uh, that are on the waiting list and there's another 10 that just showed up that want to get their names down or, you know, they don't know the process or, you know, whatever the case is, uh, it makes for some stiff competition. You're not always going to get a spot. So the more I see that, the more I see rooms opening up and, and I'm just, I'm sure that there's room enough for everybody folks. And I, I hope people continue to, uh, to just, uh, you know, let the, let the scene grow. It's a, it's a, it's a beautiful scene here in Calgary and I'm, I'm very proud to be a part of it. Uh, watching anyway, I, 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 uh, I've really enjoyed watching some of this comedy lately. Um, news really quickly for the Conquering Comedy Festival, folks. So I'm just going to do a shameless plug here. We actually ended up having to cancel this year. Uh, we're postponing the date. We're looking at a fall date, possibly. Uh, we just couldn't accommodate the change of venue at the last minute. Uh, we kind of knew that there was going to be a problem with it, and it just did not work out in the end. Uh, we just weren't able to guarantee getting the permits and all that type of stuff, inspection, all that stuff in time. Uh, and I didn't want to risk that. I didn't want to have you know, uh, 15, 16 comedians show up, and people flying from out of town, and there not be any any guarantee of work. And then, you know, financially that's a big hit too. So I decided to uh, cancel it. Uh, we still managed to salvage a couple of shows out of it. So some of the out of town folk that were coming in, we're still going to be able to use and we're excited about that. Anyway, there's tons of shows just like those ones. And just like uh, the ones all across uh, this fine country, I was going to say the Calgary one, and, but I mean, what can you say? I say something about that place every week. Uh, and this week is no different. Ari Shafir is in town, folks. That's right. Ari Shafir, Doug Wright, uh, Kathleen McGee, uh, Burt Kreischer. Uh, Ari does Stampede Show. So this Thursday, go check it out. I believe it's already sold out. So if you've got a ticket, you're lucky. If you don't, uh, too bad. You, 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 you missed out. You done missed out. But yeah, there, I mean, shows just like that, Ari, uh, you know, and there's shows all across, uh, you know, this, this fine country of ours, uh, with, uh, with tons of amazing acts. But yes, Ari Shafir folks in town for Stampede with a, a gang of misfits, 
uh, and they're just going to be tearing the, the the roof off the place. Um, yes, lots of great uh, news, great shows coming up. Check it out, folks. Easiest way to do it. Catch us uh, up on uh, yuckyucks.com, uh, the website. Uh, drop us a line uh, you know, on Twitter, Facebook, whatever. Uh, say something. Hashtag YYCP. Also, leave us a review. Can you leave us a review on iTunes, please? That would be amazing. It helps bolster the support of the show, and it also helps uh, keep uh, you know this at the top of the What's Hot uh, list, which it has been for like eight months, nine months. Uh, oh, it's a year now, I guess. So yeah, a whole year it's been on the What's Hot uh, list. So let's keep that going. Uh, everybody, thank you so much for listening to the show. It means the world to me that you give me a voice, you give me a forum to do this every week. And, uh, and I just hope and I pray that we continue to do it because it's a kick-ass show this week. That's right, folks. It is no different. We have the very funny, very, very charming Mr. Christoph Davidson. Yay! Thank you very much. Uh, I got to meet Christoph while I was hanging out with Cal Post, uh, but we were right in the middle. Uh, he was right in the middle, I think, of playing a Witcher or something like that. So uh, we just thought, you know what? Maybe I should come back for this one. We sat down. We had a great conversation, very candid and uh, very uh, just honest and awesome guy. Check it out right now, folks. Christoph Davidson. with the good old Cal Post. Have you worked with him before? With yeah. Cal? Oh, yeah, all the time in Toronto. Yeah? So, okay, so let's start at the beginning, man. Are you from Toronto, or where are you from? Um, uh, originally from Toronto. Uh, really? Uh, yeah, from um, the East End. And I uh, grew up there until I was 19, then went to Montreal for film school. Holy shit. And um, the films that I started to make were funny. And that's made me realize that Maybe I could do stand-up, but it was my last uh, my last school film. I had a guy named Derek McVinnis, who was a comic, who is great and now lives in Chicago. Right. Uh, so we started uh, to become buddies and started to watch him uh, at the Comedy Works. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then got up, uh, yeah, got up there. Was that your first time doing, like, stand-up, though? Yeah, first time ever. Really? Uh, at the Comedy Works. How old? Jimbo's Pub. Jimbo's Pub. <laughs> How old were you then when you first started getting into stand-up? Um, I would have been... It's probably, what, back early 20s? 2003, so yeah, I would have been like 21. 21? Yeah. Wow. Did you ever think that you'd get into comedy, man? Um, no, I hadn't. That definitely wasn't something that I thought about when I was younger. Really? Uh, it was... I think I was about 18 when I first saw Delirious. Yeah. And didn't realize there was anything like that out there like right. that, that was really definitely a big change for me when I saw that the VHS of Eddie Murphy Delirious and memorized it yeah word for word would perform it word for word just for friends yeah, you yeah. Know, and relatives at the cottage and then um, yeah and then I guess about, I think it was yeah what 20 maybe 22 yeah about four years later I started it's funny though man because it seems like there's a lot of people that uh will stumble upon something groundbreaking for them to kind of shift their view on comedy. Like, uh, Eddie Murphy was one of them for sure. And when people see those things for the first time, stuff like Raw or Delirious or like Andrew Dice Clay or like something like that, that really stands out for them as being like, holy shit, people really do this. And they're able to do it and keep people entertained. 
it's uh, it opens up. It, I think it probably hits somebody inside a little bit differently. But like, did it change something for you? Like, did you look at that and be like, I want to do that, or did you look at it and be like, oh, well, that's kind of a cool thing, but you never thought it would be really attainable to be able to go and do something like that. Yeah, when I first saw it, I was I didn't think I would do it. I mean, I started to do it, just copy Eddie Murphy for my friends. Yeah. Uh, but I never uh, never thought of it as something that I would do until, yeah, it was a slow progression from film school, uh, like putting up, um, cutting on film. Like I would spend 18 hours a day chopping my little student films together that I cut on 16 millimeter. No way. And, and not knowing... Like, guessing that it's funny. I remember that time thinking, like, okay, I think if I cut these shots together and put this at this amount of time and timing it by right. with the actual film and taping it together, thinking, I have an idea. Like, I, yeah. my instincts were there, but I didn't know if they were right. Um, I had actually a really great film teacher called, uh, uh, by the name of Don Terry, who, uh, he, like, was like, oh, you're doing a gag here. Like, I didn't even realize what it was right. you know, but he's like oh this is a visual gag there's yeah. a gag here here's a gag here and I'm really just trying at this right. point I'm right. just trying to put images together that make sense and uh, but then yeah my screenings were always like a bunch 60 other student films so it was a pretty good audience yeah. for me to have like a, something that's trying to be funny right there was most people really trying to be uh, very artistic and self you know exploratory yeah and, and serious and really boring so <laughs> So yeah, I had like this fun little movie in the midst of that, and and that was definitely a great feeling to have a room full of people uh, laughing where yeah. you know where I thought they were going to laugh, laughing where I didn't intend them to. Right. I, I didn't realize that that was going to get one, and um, I think that that's what first gave me the confidence or the the idea that okay, like I have, I can think of something that's funny ahead of time, put it right. together. Uh, and then stand-up was just a natural progression because the, the movies were funny and like I said, yeah, Derek was already doing it and I was watching people at open mics picking, being like, well, I can be at least as bad as these guys. I think, <laughs> I think the main confidence was actually seeing Comedian, the Jerry Seinfeld documentary. Right. Because a lot of people, I don't think, realized at the time how, you know, even professional comedians, uh, you, you know, the ones, they still bomb. Yeah, bombing is a part of it. It's always going to happen. You're going to get put in a weird situation, or it's just you know not your right mix of the crowd. They're just not feeling you for whatever reason. So when I saw like Seinfeld work on new material, right? And they had that footage, that little that was definitely a big push for me to yeah. be like, oh okay, well, you know, this is this is something that you can do, and this is something that's going to be like. It's okay to, to, to do it and not necessarily be successful every time. I think I thought originally, before that, I, I, I definitely thought that you had to be funny every time. All the time. I yeah. think it was, yeah, I think I had this idea in my head that comedians are funny all the time. That, that never like, bombed. That they don't, you know, that it, I, I mean, I heard stories of Jim Carrey bombing, obviously, but I don't know, there's this idea that it's like, it's not okay to not be really hilarious all the time, and so... Yeah, that, that documentary was definitely uh, a big push for me to then finally give it a shot. Yeah. Coupled with the support from, from Derek, who is a great mentor, and uh, just kind of getting introduced to the scene uh, at the Comedy Works in Montreal. And I was really lucky. The, the scene at the time in Montreal was a, I had a really good class of yeah. comedians. There was, um, for, the, for a short period of time, I guess over the course of around seven years, there was myself, uh, a guy named Rodney Ramsey, who's still in Montreal. Um, and uh, Deanne Smith, John Hastings, uh, a guy named Dan Bingham, 
Uh, at the time, Steve Patterson was there. Wow. And there was like two different classes, too, because there was kind of the older guard that had Rebecca Kohler, Tim Rabnett, Mike Patterson, um, David Acker, Steve Patterson, uh, Heidi Foss, and uh, who was it? Barry Julian was actually in, wow. on the scene when I started, like my first year, and then yeah. he went off to the States, started writing for The Onion, is now the um, you know head writer, uh, Colbert of the late right. night, went on to that. Um, so a really, really high level uh, of talent for a small, yeah. small city. That's amazing, man. Um, I know I'm missing a few people probably too, but I was just trying to fire them all off. What was the, what was your family's reaction when you told them that you wanted to get into not only like the comedy aspect, but obviously first going to film the school and stuff? Because that's not always it's not one of those uh, jobs. It, you know, it's the same thing. Like when I was growing up, I was like I wanted to be an actor, and I think that when I told my mom that, she was just like, "Oh Jesus Christ!" Like that's wonderful. Like I think that's wonderful, but you should have something to back back it up with or you know what I mean like it's not a yeah. 9 to 5 where you're collecting a 401k all the time you know like a, a pension or anything like that yeah were they hesitant for you were they were they concerned at all for film school no um, no my I'm really lucky I have really supportive parents um, I think now at 35 they you know my I think my mom would really like me to just know that I'm you know that I'm gonna be okay, <laughs> and um, so she was pretty happy that I just I just went back to school for a couple of years to get a master of teaching. Oh no which way! Is something that I've always wanted to do. I was a camp counselor for about ten years until I started stand up, and then I kind of put that off. And right, um, you know, always uh, always considered that that might be a a good gig for me and something I was good at. And um, so yeah, just completed the master of teaching. Which yeah, my mom's so you're like so you're about. you're you're good to go then to teach. I am. I mean, and I, but now it just depends on where I would want to teach. I mean, I there's not a lot of jobs in in Ontario for teachers. They're right. kind of have they have more teachers than jobs. I could move to London, England, and get a job in a heartbeat. Yeah. The, the UK is desperate for teachers, but um, having focused a lot on academic writing, I've really been enjoying writing. Um, comedically and I did a lot of procrastinating mm -hmm. in school writing other stuff for, right. for comedy and and just the kind of the amount of people and the amount of talent that's happening now in Toronto right now is absolutely nuts so I'm going to try to keep myself in Toronto for you know the next few years if I can just to are there enough opportunities out there do you think as far as uh, you know it's been a constant theme on this podcast about uh, there being that glass ceiling or ceiling it anyway for for comics and for writers and for people here in Canada that you know can't get to that next level because there's not enough opportunities here for programming and TV and comedy writing and stuff like that is that something that you see uh, do you ultimately see yourself having to go down to the States or go to Europe or do the other type of markets and stuff like that to be successful well I yeah I don't, I don't know if I have to travel in order to be successful I know that there's certainly a limited amount of money um, in in Canada, although the Trudeau government just injected hundreds of millions into the arts. So if you know, if you have the patience to apply for grants, you can keep it Make keep it going happen. here in Canada. But it's weird though because like, the, I look down at the states and I see like we don't have, you know, like Colbert. We don't have the you know Bill Marshalls. We don't have political yeah. 
You can't afford like that, a show. Right? You can't pay t- twelve writers to write on one show. For yeah. sure, yeah. for sure. But I mean, when we had some people like Mike Bull, I mean, even like a t- Tonight Show, like there's just not the programming that I think because uh, we have a very we have a like, ton of talented people here, and I and I don't know if there's enough going on that there should be. It seems like either you get a sitcom on CBC if you're lucky, or you get maybe a writing gig for like this hour or something like that, but. There's not a ton of stuff going on, or, or am, I, am I missing something out the West? <laughs> no, no, I think you're right. There isn't a lot of stuff going on. I mean, and even, yeah, the, some of the greatest people kind of have their, have had their sketch show for a season or two, and then right. off they go to the States, so it's just, uh, there doesn't seem to be um, a real incentive for long, ongoing comedic uh, series. Yeah. I'm trying to think of... The last one since Kids in the Hall that really ran right. for multi- more than one or two seasons in Canada. Right. Um, you know, when I'm thinking of some of the greater talent in Canada, they all had just a season or two. I mean, Picnic Face, John Doerr, right. uh, Hot Box, um, which was uh, Pat Burton. those types of shows. Yeah, too, those well. actual. Kevin vs. Spenny ran. It ran, I think, about four or five before yeah, it got picked up which, in the States or Net- yeah. Netflix or something like that. But. Uh, so it still had a pretty good run. Pretty good fall. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, there's... Is that something that you want to, that you see yourself getting into more? Is the, like, uh, on the writing end, end of things? Yeah, being in school definitely gave me a bit more of a discipline for writing. Right. And uh, something I've always kind of struggled with. It's so easy to just throw yourself on stage and scare yourself into writing new jokes. Right. As opposed to sitting down by yourself and just having the discipline to do it. Yeah. Um... But uh, yeah, this the school really helped me put that together, and and also just get some ideas for a show I'm uh, gonna do my best to develop, and and it'll be a first time thing for me, so I won't really have a lot to go on in terms of pitching to get that minute amount of funding that that's out there for Canadian stuff. But it, I think it's original enough, and it's something that isn't being done, and hasn't been done yet that uh, it could have a shot. And yeah. worst case scenario is I get to hang out, develop, develop it with a bunch of friends of mine. I mean, that, the plan is now just kind of bare bones, just p- put the show together with a few friends and, and have have a writer's room, which is something I've always wanted to be yeah. a part of. Yeah. I love, you know, I like sitting around in the back of a comedy club and firing off jokes. And, yeah. of course, throughout the... I can only imagine that the dynamic of doing it for eight hours in a room in one day might be a bit different <laughs> right, right. there might be some lulls in that but but yeah really excited about about that opportunity and instead of kind of waiting um or pitching to, uh, to write on other people's shows i'm going to start with the people i know who are willing yeah. to donate you know their their time sure. for a day and uh and just kind of make that that happen yeah it's it's so funny man because like i, I interviewed alex sulkin who, who does uh Obviously, he was like the big writer for like the Late Show, and then he did. Uh, obviously, he's partners now with uh, Seth MacFarlane with Family Guy and American Dad and all that stuff. But he was telling me that writers now have become like they're, they're the kings of Los Angeles now. Like they're, they're it's a very coveted position to be a writer in Los Angeles. Like they're getting a lot more. I think the way he kind of phrased it was like they're treated better almost than actors are a lot now. The hmm. writers over there because of the amount of talent that they have coming through there. Like. It's not an easy thing to do, and I don't imagine sitting in a room and having to bust out jokes for the next day, or that night, or whatever it is. I mean, it's going to be uh, very easy. Have you always had? Because you mentioned that you said that you, you know, would procrastinate and stuff like that. Do you find that the older you get, the more disciplined you are when it comes to writing? Slightly. Yeah. <laughs> just even like with school, though, because I mean, 
I remember going back to school as an adult, and I was a much better student as an adult than I was yeah. when I was younger, for sure. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, there's a bit more of an output there. Um, I think there's a bit more of a, of a calling uh, within myself, too, to get something together. It's been, there. you can kind of coast and put things off for a while, but once you... Once you start staring at, at 40, you, you realize, okay, well, maybe I need to have something to offer uh, <laughs> somebody else. Like, if I want kids, I, w- I want to be out of debt, for example. Right, right, right. I would like, at the very least, to have nothing to offer my children <laughs> if I could get there. So, uh, yeah. Um, I think that's, if anything, it's just the actual time and, yeah. and, and where you're at in your life. When you're growing up, it kind of makes a bit more of a difference in terms of like, oh, okay, it gives you a reason to begin to prioritize a bit yeah. more instead of just getting stuff done, you know, whenever, yeah. and just paying for your single life. You is know? there is there always a, a lure there of, of going and getting something stable, like a teaching job or something like that, where you can just be like, ah, I can do, you know, that gives me kind of a base where I don't really have to worry too much if there's, you know, kind of that security of a check coming in every couple of weeks. Uh, I know that... Uh, you know, obviously, uh, you know, when I interview comedians, stuff like mortgage and kids and car payments and stuff like that's something that's like, fuck, I don't, you know, it's difficult to get tied down to certain things Yeah. when you're constantly hustling and you're, and you're, you know, you're working, you know, gigs every weekend, right? Meanwhile, though, there, you know, there is examples of both, of mm-hmm. strong comics who have full-time jobs. Yeah. Uh, uh, Jeff Paul in Toronto uh, has a full-time Patterson job. Too, who, who you mentioned before, uh, Steve? Steve Patterson. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, he's got, uh, yeah, um, Rob Bebenek. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Full-time gig, you know, such a strong comedian. Um, uh, Bebenek doesn't have a family yet, I don't think. No. (laughs) Although, yeah, him and uh, and his girlfriend might do that someday. Right, right. Uh, But, yeah, there are examples. Like, and those are just closer examples of people I know. Sure. Um, Although, even to say that, I'm amazed they can do it. I don't know even if I would. I... I, I like the idea of contract work. I'm more attracted to uh, the prospect of having a bunch of different jobs that I can kind of say yes or no to when I want to. Right. Uh, but even supply teaching can take a while to get involved with, especially within Ontario, because sure. it's so competitive. Yeah. But yeah, I'm gonna now that I have the teaching degree, I can I can put forth uh, my application to different school boards. And so right now, I'm I think um, supply teaching is 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 what I'm more looking. At forward to right and then maybe down the road um there's a specific school i was placed at which is for uh students with multiple uh developmental and intellectual and physical disabilities and right. and that uh you know that was something that really uh, connected with me and and i got really great feedback from all the staff there and people and i'm volunteering there still so um you know, working in, in that area is something I would consider full-time. Right, right. Uh, because it's a little more intense during the day. Sure. Um, but not as much uh, paperwork intensive at night. Right. So there would be, a, you know, ability to kind of to mix the two. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it's only for a certain select group of people who have the patience. Sure. And it's certainly intense uh, during the day. Right. But, but yeah, it would, it would fit more with what I want to do and, and, and stand up. Because that's something that I'm that I'm always going to be doing, uh, regardless of yeah of the level of success I get. Yeah, yeah. I'm still going to be going up most nights if I can. So. Yeah. Speaking of which, you're you're in Calgary now. What, what's uh, you've you've been here before, right? I have. Yeah. And, and what's your experience out west? Do you find like the your comedy resonates all across the? 
It does, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. Well, Cal- it's hard. I mean, Calgary Club here at Yucks is so great. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Angie and Scott and Jim and everyone who runs it uh, and all the staff are uh, really know how to run a club, and, yep. and it shows that you know the audiences are just are, are awesome. Um, and yeah, I mean, I've had a good experience at the Vancouver Club, Victoria. So, do you like the crowds over here as opposed to the? Do you find that it's a big, it's a big change in, in crowds, like as opposed to like Toronto and, and I know like obviously like when comics go down to Los Angeles and stuff like that, it's a different beast, right? You yeah, people who are expecting the kind of the setup punch, setup punch type of stuff, and I think a lot of comedians over here, they uh, crowds really appreciate comedy. They're willing to they're willing to hang in there, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've had I've already had uh, uh, two shows. Uh, at the club yep. this week and they've been great and I've been even doing stuff I've got some newer material that you know takes a bit of a requires people to kind of come with me and, right. and, and maybe laugh at, at some stuff that um, they might unnecessarily align with typically an Alberta audience I mean I've got um, Is that like politically stuff or, or? I, it's, I don't know if it's really political so much as um I guess social political, right? Uh, you know, I've got. Um, I mean, people. I, I really, I really hold back to whether or not to say um, feminist. I think some of my material could be feminist, and I'm not afraid, uh, you know, to say that or call it. I just, I just don't like personally. I don't, uh, and maybe that's because as a white guy, I got the luxury that I don't have to. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't, you know, I don't want to identify with a, any kind of specific. Uh, area except myself you know right. like when people start conversations like um, as a whether it's as a feminist or as a comedian right. or as a Republican or as a, as a liberal like as soon as someone starts a sentence with that online or in person I, I'm already tuned out because now anything you say after that I'm gonna has to kind of connect with with your team sure you know with whatever team that you've decided as right. of this um, so uh, you know I, I, I prefer to to have whole conversations based on everything that I know right. and how I feel as opposed to another entire group. Um, that can be a real risk, though, too, right? Because, I mean, if you're, if you're out... Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I've done... I did a show with Cal Post before, and I think it was at the time when I think Alberta voted in the NDP, which was a long-term, you know, uh, or it was a long-standing, you know, thing that I think uh, conservative government had been here for a long time. Yeah. And uh, people... Out west seem to be very passionate about politics. Expect mm-hmm. for BC, I don't know if people really, I don't know if they're overly passionate about it. But Alberta seems to be very passionate about yeah. know, about politics and and uh, social uh, social stances on things. And and uh, I thought I was going to have a hard time fitting in here, but uh, just coming from the states and everything. And I'm a pretty hardcore Democrat, but mm-hmm. but uh, it's it's interesting. I've seen comedians take some real risks on stage, saying some stuff and. The crowds have still almost been okay with it and not, you know what I mean? It's almost like if you give them permission to laugh at some stuff that they might not be overly comfortable with, they're okay doing it. Also, if it's your truth, like, you know, great comedians, some of whom say things that I would even necessarily, you know, not agree with. Uh, I know Jim Jeffries is a great example, absolutely incredible, you know, and and I've met him before, but he says stuff like where he's just straight up, straight up hates women. Right. Like, and he'll, and he'll kind of double down on that. Right. And then people kind of laugh. And I... You know, as much as like, I don't really, I don't think that's a great idea to push. There's enough guys who probably already, you know, have a chip on their shoulder. I don't know if that's the best, you know, message out there you want to push. Of course, he's a comic. His job is to tell jokes. Sure. But 
it's still his truth. Like he obviously has a chip on his shoulder. It sounds like he's proud of himself about his mom. So um, I think if you're telling your truth, then people can't necessarily disagree with you, right? Because it's it, it it's coming because it's coming from you, you right. know. So your experience, yeah. My experience, and so and, and so, yeah. I've got some stuff that I would say would be arguably a bit more feminist, but I'm I'm coming at it from my experience. I'm coming at it from my opinion, and. And if I'm doing it with enough confidence and having enough fun with it too, sure. I mean, you can't just be teaching. I might have a teaching degree, but I don't want to be lecturing everybody or right. giving them a bunch of mental homework and sure. be like, this is how you should feel. Right. It's like, this is how I feel, and here's an example of why. Yeah. And if I do it with enough fun, then I've been really surprised at the, I would say, arguably a little more conservative, a little more socially conservative, a little more macho crowds right. laughing at, at stuff that that if we were having a conversation and I asked them how they feel, they wouldn't in a million years. Right, right. Um, yeah. Interesting, man. So which is like the most satisfying ever, getting yeah. people to laugh at stuff that you know they might not necessarily agree with. Exactly, um, yeah. But if they're laughing, then there there is an understanding there. Right, right. You know, more so than, than before. Yeah, definitely. So you're here right now. What's up next for you? Where are you going? What's the plan? Oh, what's up next? I uh, got SiriusXM, uh, Next Top Comic. Um, my is audition band? Uh, no, I'm taping in Toronto at the Drake Underground on oh, June nice. 28th. Anyone listening to this from Toronto, come support. Uh, so yeah, that's an audition. I think three people get picked from that. That tape goes online. Hopefully I get that far and they push it uh, online and then get voted into uh, JFL 42 would be ideal. That'd be great. Yeah, it's 25 grand. I could really uh, use that to pay off my student debt. So. Yeah, <laughs> it's a good thing, man. Yeah. It's a good thing. And where can people find you? Uh, you can find me at this Christoph on Twitter or Instagram, uh, Christoph Davidson, uh, which is Christopher without the R, and Davidson like the motorcycle. Uh, people use a lot of different versions, but that's the one it is. Uh, you can find Christoph Davidson on Facebook, um, and uh, yeah, those are, those are the social media. Awesome, man. We'll be sure to put up the links on our site, and uh, hey, man, thanks for taking the time to sit down and bullshit with me today. You got it. Awesome. All right, folks, and there you have it, the Christoph Davidson interview. Great guy, very smart, very intellectual guy, and, and someone who just sounds like he's got his head on his shoulders. I love his, I love his passion. I really do, especially working with kids. Uh, that was always a passion of mine. And, uh, yeah, all-around great guy and very fun hanging out with him. Thanks for doing the show, Christoph. Really appreciate that, my friend. Hey, on behalf of myself, your host, Jay Kirsch, and all the crew with Yuck Yucks, Mr. Mark Reslin, executive producer Kira Williams, webmaster Camille Sorovi and of course my boy the man who lays down all the acoustic tracks for this uh, wonderful podcast Mr. Lane Argue check him out folks Lane Argue hey stay tuned for lots of cool episodes coming up I always say that every week but I'm telling you right now it is a fact we've got some killer episodes coming up very very funny stories I'm telling you right now be sure to stick around because we will see you next week